Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> this happened about 31 years ago. And uh, it's about a guy named Jim. Jim was a young businessman, faithful husband, father of three. He had a, about a three-year-old daughter, a son who was about 18 months old or a year and a half old, and a newborn daughter as well. And Jim, one morning, was having breakfast with his father, at a restaurant not too far from his house. And the restaurant began to page his name. He had received a urgent phone call, and they were trying to get in touch with him before cell phones. And um, he didn't hear it. So the restaurant is paging his name again, and he didn't hear it. Neither did his father. They were just happened to be in a section of the restaurant that was pretty loud, so they didn't hear well, the restaurant continued to page Jim because this was fairly urgent. And so, uh, fortunately, there was a man that knew Jim 
eating at the restaurant that morning. And he saw Jim across the restaurant and he heard his name being paged and saw that he wasn't moving and realized, okay, he's just not hearing this. So he gets up. Jim gets up and he walks across the restaurant and leans down and says, hey, Jim, they're paging you, man. And Jim looks up and says, oh, thanks. I just didn't hear it. So realizing that he'd been being paged for a while and it sounded fairly urgent, Jim goes up to the front desk and says to the people at the restaurant, uh, you've been paging me. What? What's going on? And they said, you've received an urgent phone call from your wife. She wants you to call right away. So he calls. He calls his wife and he finds out that his 18-month-old son ran into a corner really hard and split his forehead open and was bleeding quite profusely and needed to be taken to the hospital immediately. But his wife had the three-year-old and the baby she was nursing, so she couldn't do it. So since he was just down the street, he gets in his car. He doesn't finish his breakfast. He gets in his car and he drives to their home and he scoops up his little 18-month-old son, puts him in the car, drives him as fast as he can to the hospital. And once they get to the hospital, he brings him in and the doctors can see right away that this child is in some serious danger because he's bleeding out of his head. And they urgently bring him into the ER and they begin to go to work on fixing him up. And his loving father sat there and held him in his hand while they put stitches in his forehead. And in the end, that little boy was okay. He was just fine. He grew up. And all that's left of that story is a scar right here on my forehead. Okay? I was the little boy. My dad is Jim. Some of you are saying, oh, he hit his head. That's why he's like that. Okay? But here's the thing. The reason why I tell you this story is because it has to do with urgency. It has to do with the fact that I was hurt pretty bad, so my mom urgently calls my dad. He doesn't hear about it right away, but when he does, he urgently goes home, drives to the hospital with some urgency, The doctors go to work on me with some urgency. What is urgency? If you were to look it up in the dictionary, urgency is, if something is urgent, it's something that requires or compels speedy action or attention. If something is urgent, it's something you should take care of right away. And it was urgent that I got to the hospital because I was bleeding out of my face. Mike's been preaching about getting out and living missionally. Getting out and living missionally. And we're continuing that, ser- that sermon series this morning. And the piece that we're adding today is that there should be a sense of urgency in going out and living missionally. The fact that we're called to live missionally should also include with it that we need to do so with urgency. Why? Well, because in this passage and all throughout Scripture, it's made very clear that Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, who came down from heaven to live a perfect life and die a sinner's death so that 
whoever put his faith in him would have eternal life and not be cast into hell. That Jesus, that same Jesus, the Bible also says, will return. And when he returns, there will be a judgment. And everyone will stand before Jesus Christ and be judged. And those who have faith in Jesus Christ will be acquitted of their sin because he paid for it. And those who do not have faith in Christ will be cast into hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we need to not only live missionally, but live with urgency because the results of people not hearing about Jesus are disastrous for them. The reality is that judgment is coming, and so that's the reason for urgency in living missionally. The reality of judgment is the reason for urgency in living missionally. Let me say that one more time. The reality of judgment, the fact that one day we will all be judged and we will either go to heaven or to hell based solely on whether or not we have faith in Christ. That reality is the reason for our urgency. So a couple things that we see from this passage when we think about not only living missionally, but living missionally with some urgency and and having some urgency about uh, sharing the gospel in word and deed with our neighbors and the nations. A couple things from this passage that we need to see is, number one, Jesus divides all people into one of two groups. He does this very clearly in this passage. And ultimately, it has to do with the fact that judgment is coming. That's what he's referring to, that there will be a time when judgment comes and everybody will be in either one group or the other. Look at the parable itself, the first parable, verses 24 through 36 and uh, or through 30. And what we're seeing is that everybody is going to either go to heaven or go to hell. Look at look at how he clearly makes this distinction in the parable itself. he, He refers to wheat or weeds everything in the field is either wheat or weeds that's either been sown by the farmer or sown by the enemy it will either be harvested into the barn or burned in the fire and then you skip down to 36 through 43 and you look at the explanation of the parable and he continues to drive this wedge to make sure we see look at uh, starting in verse 36 he tells us that he is the farmer okay and so people are either sown by jesus they believe in jesus or they don't and they are sown by the devil they are either children of the kingdom or they are children of the evil one they will either remain when the angels come to remove all who do evil and all causes of sin or they will be removed they are either righteous or they do evil, they will either shine like the sun or they will burn in hell. He who has ears, let him hear. Why? Why focus on that? Why remember the fact that judgment is coming and why think about it regularly? Here is why. Because if you forget that judgment is coming, you will forget to live missionally. 
You will not live missionally and not with a sense of urgency. If you forget judgment is coming, you can forget living missionally with urgency. Why? Because you're not going to feel a sense of urgency about sharing the gospel with people that you know, with people that you meet, with people all over this planet. You won't feel a sense of urgency about that. You won't feel a sense of urgency about praying for lost people. If you're not remembering that judgment comes for everyone, you're not going to feel a sense of urgency about praying for people. You're also not going to feel a sense of urgency about going to the foreign mission field yourself or at least sending missionaries financially by supporting your local church who sends missionaries or by sending missionaries yourself. Judgment is coming. We can't get away from that. And so remembering that, remembering that one day judgment will come is what needs to happen. That needs to be on our minds. And remembering that everybody we know, everybody we meet, everybody we see, everybody on the earth will be judged one day. And if they die without Christ or if they're without Christ when he returns, they will spend eternity without Christ in hell. So let's let the reality of judgment be the reason for our urgency as we get out and live missionally. And that means that some of our excuses have to go away. We can't say, I'm too busy to do evangelism. Well, hell is too real for us not to do evangelism. We can't say, I'm too tired to get out and serve the community and preach the gospel indeed. Because no one will ever tire of being in hell. It will never end. We cannot say we're too afraid to do evangelism, to share our faith with people. The thing we should be afraid of is what will happen in hell for eternity. And so we got to remember that judgment is coming. And here's the thing. When that's on your mind, when you are thinking about the fact that one day Jesus will return and judge everyone, something happens. You begin to realize that the opportunities for us to live missionally and with urgency and share the gospel with our neighbors and make sure it gets to the nations, you will realize that there are opportunities all around us. There are opportunities everywhere for us to be living missionally. Think about the parable again. Think about the parable. And in fact, think about the explanation. In the explanation, Jesus gives us the cast of characters. He tells us he is the farmer and the enemy is the devil and the wheat are the children of the kingdom and the weeds are the children of the evil one. He explains that the angels will come and they will remove from the kingdom all causes of sin and those who do evil. So he gives us the cast of characters. He tells us the basic plot. But he doesn't necessarily address part of the parable. Verse 28 and 29. Look back at verse 28 and 29. And it's at that point in the parable when the servants approach the farmer and they've noticed that the weeds are there and they've, the farmer has explained that an enemy planted them and they say, do you want us to pull them up? And the farmer says, no. He says, no, because you, while you were pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Why didn't he explain that in the explanation? I think because it's clear. It's clear. Jesus wants 
the wheat, those of us who know him, profess him as Savior and Lord, he wants the wheat to be around the weeds. He wants the weeds to be in the proximity of the wheat because the wheat has a message for those weeds. And in fact, the most amazing thing here is that the reason they shouldn't root up some of root up the weeds because they might pull up some of the wheat. And I think that's because some of those weeds will become wheat. They will be transformed. Now, that doesn't fit with agriculture, but it fits with the Bible. Think about it. The Bible is absolutely filled with examples of one thing becoming its opposite. Think of Paul, how he talks about in Ephesians 1. Because of Christ, we go from being dead to alive. He uses similar language in Romans 6 when he says, talking about going from death to life. In the Old Testament, in Hosea, God calls people that are not his people, his people. Or numerous examples. Uh, Think about how John, in John 8, Jesus refers to some of the Pharisees as being children of the devil. But in John 1, John talks about how we can become children of God. We were children of the devil, but because of Christ, we become children of God. Paul talks about in Ephesians that we were objects of wrath, but we've become objects of salvation. Paul himself in Acts chapter 9, we read of this incredible transformation. You've got Paul, a religious, evil religious person persecuting the church and killing them. He was standing there when Stephen was stoned to death. And Jesus gets a hold of him. And transforms him from being a weed who was attacking wheat to being a wheat, to being wheat who wrote half the New Testament. He was an apostle and he wrote half of the New Testament about. God's in the business of transforming. Think about our verse of the year. 1 Peter 2.9. We've been saying it for a long time now. Coming out of darkness and into wonderful light. Or John 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. So take John 3 and Matthew 13 and put them together and what do you get? Ultimately what we're seeing, what we know is that we are all born weeds. We are all born deserving wrath from God. And it is only through Christ that we are born again and turned into wheat and gathered into the barn and spend eternity in the new heavens, new earth, in God's very presence. It's It's staggering. And so when you think about that, when you think about that, the weeds and the wheat are supposed to be living together. We're supposed to be surrounded by weeds so that we can be sharing this message with them. You think about all the opportunity we have. And let me tell you, we have a ton of opportunity. I'll give you an example. The Presbyterian Church in America, which we are part of, is broken up into presbyteries all over the country. A presbytery is an area, and within that area there's a number of PCA churches, and they're all part of that presbytery, okay? Now, uh, the North Florida Presbytery, which is up near Jacksonville, and the Central Florida Presbytery, which is in Central Florida, and the Southwest Florida Presbytery, they have all kind of joined up to create a church planting network. They want to plant more churches. And one of the things that they found in their research is if you take... Uh, a line and you'd go from Tallahassee up to Jacksonville down to Palm Bay over to Tampa and back up to Tallahassee and you've got a square like that on your map that's kind of roughly the area of these presbyteries and in those areas there are 8 million people 
There are 8 million people, but only 2 million of those people claim to be Christians and are part of a church, leaving 6 million, which means that 75% of the people in that chunk of Florida are weeds. If they were to die today, they would be in hell. Not a thought we like to think about, but it's true. So when you think about your neighborhood, your neighborhood somewhere in that chunk of Florida, and it's likely that maybe 75% of your neighbors don't know the Lord. Maybe 75% of the kids you go to college with don't know the Lord. Maybe 75% of the middle and high school kids that you know don't know the Lord. There's lots of opportunity. Lots of opportunity. And not just here in Orlando. Think about the world. In the world, there is about 16,500 people groups. A people group is a group of people that are bonded together by their ethnicity, their language, their culture, their traditions. And there's about, recognizably, there's about 16,500. And 6,847 of those people groups are technically currently unreached. This is all across the world. People groups, entire groups of people, 2.77 billion people in, in these different groups. And they've never heard of Jesus. They don't have churches among them. Some of them don't even have missionaries trying to reach them yet. 350 million people don't even have the Bible in their language. There's so much opportunity to not only live missionally, but live missionally with urgency. That we would have it on our brains. Judgment is coming. These people need to know. We need to act. And we need to act speedily. The early church grew really fast. Really fast. I mean, historians study the growth of the Christian church because of how fast it grew. And it grew so fast because they had just experienced Jesus, and they knew that judgment was coming. And so they had urgency, and they were running to their neighbors and running to the nations to give people this good news. They realized that they were supposed to be among the weeds so that they could be sharing the good news about becoming wheat. And our church, our church can have an incredible impact on East Orlando right here and around the world, if we will, as a church, just get as serious as we can about being urgent about getting this message to people. Our church will grow because we'll be bringing people to Christ and they will become part of our church. And that's wonderful, not because we have more people here, but because we have more people in the kingdom. We have more people who have become wheat and they will be saved. This is, this is, the, this is the attitude that I think we should adopt. Here it is. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century Calvinist preacher said this if sinners will be damned at least let them leap to hell over our bodies and if they will perish let them perish with our arms about their knees imploring them to stay if hell must be filled at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for that's urgent missional living How might East Orlando be different if we refuse to let one person go to hell unwarned? How might East Orlando be different 
if we wrapped our arms around the knees of the lost and pleaded with them to put their faith in the only Savior. Well, the question then is, if we understand, if we get it back in our brain and we're thinking about it regularly, that judgment is coming. And that opens our eyes and we walk around, we look at our neighbors and we look at this town and we say, oh, there's a lot of people here who don't know Jesus. And so we realize there's so much opportunity. How do we get out and live missionally with some urgency? How do we do it? It's tough. It's scary. It's hard to tell people about Jesus sometimes. So how do we do it? Mustard seeds. Look at the two parables that Jesus told in between the parable of the weeds and the explanation, verses 31 through 33. Look first at uh, verse 33. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so the idea here Jesus is teaching that you've got something really small, yeast, and a bunch of flour, and it eventually it works its way all through the dough. Something really small works, it way, works its way all through something really big. And now, look at the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can perch in its branches. Once again, you have an image of something very small becoming something very big. But there's two words in this passage that have changed my life in the last week. Something I knew, but something that reminded me of the way things are that has fueled something I've been doing lately, which I'll explain in a minute. Here's the words. It grows. It grows. The kingdom of God. It grows. That's what it does. Jesus doesn't say if it grows or sometimes it grows. He says when it grows because it grows. That's what the kingdom does. And if we will realize that and take that into our hearts and realize that Jesus wanted his disciples then and now to know that if there's one thing the kingdom of God does, it's grow. That's what it does. So we can have the courage to go out and share the gospel with lots and lots of people knowing that some will reject it. But some will believe because it grows. Because that's what happens. And so as we get the courage to preach more and more and more and share the gospel with neighbors and share the gospel with nations, we know what's going to happen. The kingdom is going to grow. It's going to grow. And if we as a church will get out and live missionally as a church with some urgency, we will see the kingdom of God growing before our very eyes. And what I want you to do this morning is make a commitment. I want you to make a commitment to take a step. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you... Let's talk about our neighborhood. Some of you know most of your neighbors, but maybe you haven't shared the gospel with them. Well, make a commitment to actually do that. Or some of you don't even know any, hardly any of your neighbors. Make a commitment to take the first step. Just introduce yourself to them. Begin a relationship with them. 
Some of you, you know, are not supporting UPC financially very much. Maybe you need to adjust your budget so that you can give more. Because judgment is coming and there are a lot of opportunities. And the church is the institution God has put here to reach people with the lost. Maybe some of you actually should consider whether God is calling you to go to the foreign mission field and reach an unreached people group. Take some sort of step. Some sort of step. Because it grows. You can go home and you can say, I, the commitment I made in my heart today is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my neighbor about the gospel. Why? Because the kingdom grows. That's what it does. Or maybe you're going to say, we're going to rearrange our budget, honey, so we can give a little more to UPC. Why? Because the kingdom grows. That's what it does. It's, there's no better investment. Or maybe you're going to say, I'm going to consider going to the foreign mission field. Why? That's crazy. Why would I do that? Because the kingdom grows. That's what it does. Let me tell you. um, Personally for me, this has been huge. Uh, I know that the Bible teaches judgment is coming. But for some reason, in this passage, it really sunk in. It really sunk in, and I realized that I don't think about it all that often. And now I know why D.L. Moody once said, I cannot preach about hell without tears. When I started to really think about the fact that judgment is coming, and then I'd walk out my door and I'd see my neighbor whose name I don't even know, I realized I need to meet that guy. Because I have news for him. And, I, and so, so realizing that, remembering that judgment is coming made me realize all the opportunity that I have in my very neighborhood and around the world. But still, I've been praying and asking God, will you give me the courage, God, to go talk to these people? Will you give me the courage? And you know how he answered the prayer? This parable. Because in the last few weeks, or last few days, rather, that I've been preparing this sermon, I have finally, that concept, that it grows, that's what it does. That concept has launched me into meeting people that I have not met yet. I met my neighbor Tom the other day. I invited our neighbor Sherry to dinner the other day. We're going to talk to Charlotte next door as soon as we can. Tim on the other side. We're going to make sure we meet all of our neighbors and we're going to start systematically inviting them and getting to know them. We're taking the steps. We're taking the steps because judgment is coming. And there's so much opportunity for every single one of us. And the kingdom of God grows. That's what it does. And if you, if we, as a church, will choose to, as a church, passionately pursue the lost in our community and in the world, we are going to see lots of people coming to Christ. And God is going to bless it, and it's going to be amazing, and it's, I can't wait. Here's the thing. Um, I'll be honest with you. That wasn't the only time my dad had to rush me to the emergency room. Okay? There's a reason my mom's nickname for me is Smash. Don't tell anybody that. Listen. I can stand here today and I can say, I'm alive today because when I was in grave danger, my parents who loved me acted with urgency. And what I'm pleading with you, my family, to do is to get out and live missionally and get over our fears. We'll do it together and we start reaching our neighbors and reaching the nation so that one day 
in two months, in three months, in six months, in ten years, we will have this room or maybe a bigger room filled with people who can say, I'm alive in Christ today because this church who loved me knew that I was in grave danger and acted with urgency. You think about that. Let's pray. Father, would you give us courage? Would you remind us that judgment is coming so that we may rejoice in the fact that we will not experience it because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us? Will you remind us that judgment is coming? Father, will you open our eyes, give us people eyes, give us a vision for the people in our very midst that do not know you, as well as those around the world? How can we be effective in bringing the gospel to the nations, Lord? Open our eyes and remind us, Lord, that if there's one thing the kingdom of God does, it is grow. Help us, let that be our fuel, our fire that sends us running to our neighbors and to our nations with this good news. And we pray that you would be glorified and we would be edified and the nations would be glad. And we pray in the matchless name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.